it's almost a, a furnace-like sense where uh, there was so much fuel on the ground that this was inevitable that it was just going to go up. We've had a horrific summer in Australia, the worst in living memory. They knew that the 2019, you know, as it turned out, was the hottest, driest year on record. And so this, this was all going to happen. With the global news cycle the way it is these days, it feels like we just collectively move on from one issue to the next. For a few weeks in January, it seemed like all I saw in my feeds were photos of burnt kangaroos, koala rescues, and toasted Australian hillsides. These bushfires, the worst we've ever seen, were beyond tragic. Human lives were lost, buildings and homes were lost, and a billion plus animals were lost. But then the fires reduced a bit and then went out. A US presidential primary really got underway and now we have COVID-19, AKA coronavirus, dominating the airwaves and our collective psyche. And while COVID-19 is understandably a massive issue, to me and to the team of the WSL, the fires are too important to just move on from. If we just move on to the next news cycle, we'll soon be back in fire season again, having learned little and even worse, changed less. Additionally, Australia is such an important place to surfing and to us here at the WSL. It's home to so many surfers, both competitive, pro-free surfers and amateurs, so many surfing events, competitions, brands, amazing waves and communities. We'd be remiss to not touch upon the fires. So we want to share some conversations we've had over the past couple months with friends in our community in Australia about the fires, about their cause, about their connection to the ocean, and about what's being done to help, or at least what we're trying to do to help in the wake of what was a perfect storm for these deadly fires. I'm Reese Pacheco, and from WSL Pure, this is One Ocean. So the, we've had a drought in eastern Australia for now um, many years in quite a few places, up to six years in parts of western Queensland. And then this summer we knew that the bushfire risk would be extreme, but the fires that we saw were absolutely unprecedented. This is Amanda McKenzie, CEO of the Climate Council, which is Australia's leading climate change communications organisation. They're a non-profit group that has a really interesting origin story. So uh, back in 2013, we had a change of government from uh, a more progressive government to a, uh, quite a conservative government. And the first act of that government was to abolish the Climate Commission. And this was a process of silencing scientists that were speaking out on climate change. So we went out and ran a big crowdfunding campaign. And luckily, Australians really jumped on board. 15,000 people donated an average of about $50 each. And we raised $1.3 million in a week. So what is the Climate Council and what do you do? So the way the Climate Council works is predominantly as a communications organisation. So we try and get the accurate information on the issue, um, make it digestible for a general audience, and then find the right people to take that information to, um, to whether it's politicians or whether it's the general public or whether it's business. But it wasn't just the scientific community and public policy experts who saw the writing on the wall for a dangerous fire hazard. Our friends in the surf world and Australians at home and abroad knew this season was different. My name's Mick Fanning. I'm a professional surfer from Australia. For those who don't follow professional surfing, Mick is skipping over the part where he's won three world titles and is beloved by surfing fans around the world. He travels a lot and has seen a lot, but the Gold Coast of Australia is his home. When, when you see 
when the Gold Coast isn't getting rain, you know, every couple of weeks, that's, that's something you've got to be really wary about. We have fires every year, you know, dating back to when the Aboriginals ran the country and they would go and, uh, you know, live in a spot and then, you know, backburn what they needed so they had regrowth the next year when they came back to that same spot. And like Mick said, these fires have been going on in the country for years. But we have to mention that 2019 has been the hottest and the driest year on record, with an unprecedented drought making the fires more extreme in Australia. You know, this this should not surprise anyone that the fires were there at this level. Um, The only people that seemed to have surprised were the crew in charge. Sean Doherty should know. Officially, he works with Patagonia in Australia and is one of the most well-known surf journalists out there. But anyone who follows him on Instagram knows that his real sweet spot is the environment. They knew that the 2019, you know, as it turned out, was the hottest, driest year on record. And so this, this was all going to happen. The US and Australia and other nations share resources between the different seasons. So our fire seasons used to be opposite each other. And there was the ability for us to send you know, resources down there to help out you know, during your fire season. But now, because they're starting to blend and overlap and extend, we don't have that capability to share resources. So all nations are just pulling back and focusing on their own at a time when we all need to be collaborating and working together more than ever. Yeah, exactly. Sean's right. And while global governments seem to be pulling back, undoing years of progress and international collaboration, at least the online community seemed to unite to support Australia, its people, and its wildlife. I am Jessie Miley-Dyer. I am the VP of Tours and Competitions at the WSL. You know, one of the biggest things, I think, especially for somewhere like Oz, is like once, that's the power of, of America as well. Like once America took note of what was happening, the whole, like it just exploded. Like these fires have been going on for a long time. Obviously, they've just gotten so much worse. But for American celebrities and American media to get involved, like and get angry on our behalf in a way is so important because then the whole world and the whole global culture is looking at Australia and being like, hang on a second, like that, it's actually not okay. And so it's such a, it's a, such a big thing for, for everyone to kind of fight for us. The outpouring of donations to Australia was incredible. Records were set on Facebook's giving platform and celebrities of all kinds from Leo DiCaprio to Ellen to Chris Hemsworth got in on the movement. Of particular note was the Australian comedian Celeste Barber, who led a fundraising effort on Facebook that hit over 30 million US dollars. That's insane. And in some cases, the oversaturation of funds led to backlash about how these organizations with normally tiny budgets would even use so much money. But I'd argue it's all going to go to good use eventually. See, this season was bad. Yes, an anomaly, maybe. Or was it a signal of what's to come with our rapidly changing climate? The people on the front lines, the firefighters themselves, they're the ones who know the answer. They've been very prominent all through the summer um, and and prior to the summer in setting a tone and making clear that this is climate change. They've um, dealt with the issues around hazard reduction and showing that actually this is climate change rather than a failure in fire management. And they've been very prominent, put a lot of pressure on politicians and also I think really changed the media media conversation, which has been a really important element. We humans love to debate, and we're fantastic at creating false equivalencies. 
used to raise just enough doubt to establish that there even is a debate, when the reality is that there is sweeping scientific consensus that every superstorm, every bomb cyclone, every mega weather, whatever you want to call it, is exacerbated by climate change. A recent report shows that this season's fires were made at least 30% more likely as a result of climate change. In a country like Australia, which is already so hot and dry, to then, in 2019, have its hottest year on record and its driest year on record, it meant 2019 was truly a perfect storm for these fires. Ten years ago, there were fires in Victoria that led the Australian authorities to move um, fire weather from being classified as the highest one as extreme to them being catastrophic. And we'd never seen catastrophic days in Sydney before. We had our first. We'd never seen catastrophic days in Queensland. We had the first and then the second at the end of last year. Um, so there's been lots of those unprecedented events um, that have led to this. Um, and we knew that this was coming, but once you then see it, it's the reality is so much worse than you can imagine. It's almost a, a furnace-like sense where uh, there was so much fuel on the ground that this was inevitable that it was just going to go up. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think it's a, a whole lot of factors, but obviously climate change is probably the biggest one. We saw areas that had been burnt just two weeks before burning again. So those sorts of tools are useful when you're um, combating fires in normal conditions. But now we're seeing these supercharged conditions due to climate change of heat and uh, dryness. Those, those tools are not enough in our toolkit. Um, and we can't anticipate that they'll solve the problem. John Doherty is quick to get at the root cause. You know, like I said, it's a, re a really divided country at the moment. And obviously our whole deal is selling coal. You know, we're the world's biggest coal exporter. We're the world's biggest LNG exporter. So we, we we send a ton of this stuff out and the people see that. And I think all the, you know, it's there's been a symbolic element to the fact that it's landed back here. The, the effects of that has landed back here and the world's watching on. And, and we see it here. We don't live under a dome here. And this isn't, you know, we, we don't live with our emissions. We live with everyone's emissions. We've had a couple of days of strong southwest fronts, which has sent kind of all that smoke away. Like, you know, it's it's been sitting in New Zealand and that whole that whole thing's, it's all headed east. And they've got actually got models of it where they reckon it will get, it'll do a full lap of the globe and we'll get it back, coming back the other way. Look, I think Australia is like right now the focal point of climate disaster, which is really sad in a lot of ways. We've become like the poster child for what not to do. It's not like Australia caused this for yourselves only. It's really a global problem. And I think that that statement right there, that the smoke is going to wrap around the globe and come back to you, shows how, how quickly and inter interconnected all these things are and interact together. It's a really tough problem. We are all super connected, and Australia, like every other country, needs energy. The question is just whether it has to come from coal. So Australia is the um, one of the biggest exporters of coal, one of the biggest exporters of gas in the world. And But on the other hand, we're the sunniest country in the world. We're one of the windiest, so we have a lot of potential in renewable energy. It's always easy to say that we can't change from the status quo, and that advantages those who rely on the status quo. The other upside to this is the community response. 
across the whole nation has has been fucking radical, you know, on a community level in terms of, of people just helping people um, outside of established networks and doing what they can and and people, you know, it's pulled the country together in that regard. In the last year, the Australian community rallied like hell to defend the Great Australian Bight from an offshore oil drilling project. They had massive turnout in the streets for the youth climate strikes and in the case of the fires, communicated an epic example of the climate crisis to the globe. But still, the question is often, so what can we do about it? So I often say to people, there's three ways to think about it. How do you use your money, your time and your voice, all of which are important? So how do you use your money? Think about where you bank. Think about where um, your pension fund, your super fund is invested. That's your money. Think about where it is and how those institutions are um, either investing in fossil fuels or investing in new technology like renewable energy. That's important. Also think about where your philanthropy, your giving is. Can you give $5, $10 a month to a charity that's doing good work on the issue? How do you use your time? You can think about how you can get involved with an organisation that's doing good work or in your community. And then think about your voice. Everyone has an important voice on this issue, whether it's influencing those around you, whether it's influencing your workplace, your school, your university, all the politics in the area that you come from. All of us have a role to play and it's really important that we all get out there now because otherwise it's going to be too late. Everyone is kind of trying to rally around what they can do and you can see people thinking about what they can do and 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 looking at like their platforms and what is what they can offer that's really valuable hopefully this is yet another wake-up call and maybe the one that we needed most which is here's how bad it's gonna get and then hopefully it really spurs more action it's a shame that it would take something like this to to spur action when we know when we have the science has been telling us all along this is going to happen and i've taken a little bit of you know hope and and pride in seeing the surf community step up the way that they have. Have you seen, you know, some positive responses from the surf community? I know some of the other surfers have stepped up. Anything that's really caught your attention? Um, yeah, look, everyone's been incredible. You know, surf community is always a really giving one. And obviously it's tough to help every single person, but if everyone just helps a range of people, then we should bounce back from this. At the WSL, we really thought about how we could help and quickly realize that the fires were so bad and the recovery is going to take such a long time. Meanwhile, the root cause of the issue, climate change, isn't going away. If anything, it's getting worse. So we opted to do a couple things. Firstly, WSL Pure is partnering with Climate Council, and we're really excited about it. We're securing funds to support their work and helping to spread their message to our surfers, surf community, and global platform. It's just the start of a long-term relationship meant to get at the root of the fires. I think people who spend a lot of time in the ocean really appreciate how connected the world is because the ocean obviously doesn't respect any borders. It's always moving. Um, And the climate issue is the same. It's something that we will all experience through our lives in very different ways, whether it's through erosion of the beaches we might love, whether it's through um, coastal inundation of some of those areas, whether it's through worsening bushfires or whether it's heat, um, whether it's worsening storms. There's a whole range of ways that extreme weather will affect all of us in our lives. Um, And I think that the surfing community will see some of those impacts directly. 
And I think the surfing community has a great opportunity to be reaching a broad audience of people that are coming um, to the sport for a whole range of different reasons and illustrating why this issue matters and um, helping to activate people, get people concerned, get people active in, in, um, in their communities. I think that's incredibly well said and I am really looking forward to working with you and bringing uh, Climate Council on as a partner of WCLPR and finding ways that we can educate and ad- activate our uh, global community to, to speak out for climate, to take action in the local community, to advocate uh, in their community to do more. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to work together. Man, the scary thing is it's raining here right now so and it's actually you know fairly substantial rain um and we're coming off obviously you know a, a really a really severe drought and coming off you know 2019 being the driest year ever on record here in australia um across the whole continent and now you've got substantial rain you know a few just a few weeks after all those fires and that brings us to our second commitment at the wsl See, by the time we caught up with Sean, it had started to rain in Australia. And eventually, there were torrential rains that caused floods, another natural disaster. And this is when it really hit us, that we needed to really support medium to long-term recovery efforts. So much money had gone into first response, which is really important, but communities will be rebuilding and recovering for a long, long time. So secondly, the WSL is donating to the Foundation for Rural Renewal and Regeneration, which is another stellar Australian nonprofit that harnesses the power of collective investment between government, business, and philanthropy to improve the lives of those living in rural, regional, and remote Australia. Our funds will be restricted to the coastal communities we love and available to be granted to applicants who have been affected by the fires or the floods, and hopefully no other natural disasters in the near future. Because honestly, at this point, who knows? I certainly have no idea what the state of the world will be by the time you hear this even. But what I can say, or at least venture, is that we're not the first generation to feel this way. And we won't be the last. The world is an uncertain place and it seems to be rapidly accelerating its pace toward entropy. But I still have faith in the human spirit. And we all must have the courage, individually and collectively, to wake up every day and fight the righteous fights. You can find links to Climate Council and the Foundation for Rural Renewal and Regeneration in the show notes. And if you can support them, please do. Thanks for listening to this special episode of WSL Pure One Ocean. This episode was produced by Cody Minling, Kayla Moore, Ryan Fawcett, John Suhar, and me. This episode was edited by Stu Chacon and Ryan Fawcett. And if you're still with us, I'd like to share a quote from someone who lived through equally, if not much more, trying times, which seems relevant in today's panic. There's only one rule that I know of, babies. God damn it, you've got to be kind. Thanks to Kurt Vonnegut Jr. for that eternal wisdom, and I hope you're all being kind to one another. See you next week.